I'm Josh Golan. I am the executive director of the Campaign for Commercial Free Childhood, uh, an advocacy organization that works to uh, protect children from the harmful effects of commercialism and promote creative play. And so what for you represents a toy that is good for children's imagination? Well, I think uh, when it comes to toys, um, paradoxically, less is more. Um, there's a saying in child development that the best toys are 90% child and 10% toy. And what that means is the best toys are toys that um, don't do much, that, uh, that, that rely on children's creativity to make them uh, into something, whether it's a doll that a child uh, brings their own stories and makes up stories and, and creates imaginary play with the doll, or blocks where a child can build anything and then create stories around what they built. Um, but the toys that make a lot of noise and uh, and do a lot of things for children and hypnotize them, those are toys that don't help imagination. It's really the most simple um, toys that open up pathways to creativity that are best for, for imagination. And um, do you think that we have a, a, an imagination crisis uh, in our culture at the moment? And if so, why does it matter? Well, I do think we have an imagination crisis. I think that um, increasingly uh, both adults and, and even more troubling children are relying on digital devices uh, to for all of their entertainment, for all of their boredom, uh, um, and um, we're we're limiting our ability to to see beyond uh, what's immediately in front of us. Um, I think that imagination is such a crucial piece of childhood. I think making up stories, uh, playing imaginary games, having imaginary friends, imagining imaginary scenarios um, is just such a crucial part of, of a healthy child development and and uh, it allows children to um, to, to work through uh, problems to uh, to think beyond what's immediately in front of them to imagine different possibilities um, and and when we you know when, when we have children who are spending so much time with these devices that are telling stories to them, rather than allowing them to imagine their own worlds, um, we're really we're really limiting uh, their imagination. And and why, and why does that matter? Well, it matters for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, um, you know, I think that um, we are at a moment uh, when we're 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 in political crisis, we're in um, ecological crisis, and the ability to imagine. Uh, a different world to imagine different solutions to what we're to to the world we've created to imagine different ways of dealing with the problems we have has never been more pressing um but also in terms of you know uh the 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 adults we want children to grow up to be um when they're um when they don't have the ability to imagine uh, d different possibilities or, or create, you know, have that creativity and to, to examine problems from different angles. Um, I think that that's going to be, uh, you know, that that's a really concerning problem long term. You wrote uh, on your blog that play comes naturally to children, yet as a society, we actually prevent them from playing. What do you mean by that? Well, 
you know, we prevent children from playing in a number of ways. I think one of the most concerning things that's happened, uh, you know, increasingly, particularly, you know, I, I know the situation in the United States the best, but the increased uh, focus on testing in schools has put a tremendous burden on teachers where they are now, um, you know, forced to prepare children uh, in, for these tests that are happening at younger and younger ages. You know, in kindergarten, we we're now uh, focusing on, on testing and preparing children for testing. And that means that play is disappearing from elementary schools, it's disappearing from preschools, and that's, you know, what, what early education should be about is about play. Is about exploring with all of your senses. It's about about um, those social interactions and negotiating with your peers as you make up games. And we're taking that away from children. Um, play is absolutely disappearing from from uh, preschools and from uh, elementary schools, and that's extremely concerning. And then the other thing that it's uh, you know we're increasingly uh, the amount of time that children are spending with screens is taking away time from creative play and you know and even the toys that are not screen based are increasingly uh, connected to the internet and um, and undermine and creative play by by being based on uh, uh, corporate scripts and not fostering children's uh, creativity and imagination. And so many of the toys also that, that children play with, whether they're screen-based or non-screen-based, are so noisy. Um, and play really thrives uh, when children are given the opportunity for quiet. Um, and and we're, 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 you know, so we're, we're depriving children of those crucial moments that they need for creativity, um, creative play, both when they're by themselves and when they're in school situations or preschool situations. You mentioned when we spoke before about how kids are being denied space and quiet time. And you, you mentioned a, a, a ghastly uh, kind of augmented reality headset to wear in the car so the view out of the window isn't so boring. Could you just say a little bit about that again? Sure. So, um, so, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a little it's a little mind boggling. Um, Honda has a a a augmented reality headset for kids to put on. It's coming out next fall, um, where they will look out the window and what they see is not what's out the window, but we'll see an augmented reality superimposed over the outside so that, um, you know, because kids play so many video games, it'll make the real world look more like a video game and uh, rather than uh, uh, the actual world that that's out there. And, um, you know, and, and ha uh, I saw one review of this toy and they said, this is the best thing for children in the backseat since the advent of putting DVD players in the backseat. And putting DVD players in the backseat was a disaster for children. Um, you know, there's such an importance uh, for children to get used to longer car trips, to looking out the window, to making up games with license plates or what they spy, um, you know, and, and, and this idea that boredom is a bad thing for children is so misguided. Boredom is such an important uh, thing for children to work through, to um, <clears throat> to 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 solve, come up with their own solutions to boredom rather than having one handed to them. And the idea that the actual real world 
would now be too boring to children so that we have to make it look more like the video games that they play. It's just so concerning. Um, the real world is what children live in and what they should be living in. And we should be helping children, uh, you know, find ways of, of finding that exciting and challenging and, um, and thrilling, you know, looking at a car on a, on a long car ride, you know, looking at it unfamiliar places, that should be exciting in and of itself. And when we, we raise the threshold and, uh, you know, for constant stimulation, we really do children such, uh, such a disservice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned screens uh, and the harmful uh, impact of sort of taking kids away from, from doing other things. What are the impacts does this constant kind of exposure to screens from a young age have on children? You know, there are people who argue that having children having access to screens improves their uh, hand-eye coordination and increases. You know, there are some people who argue there are beneficial impacts to screens. How do you judge the degree, uh, the, the the impacts of, of screens on on children from a young age? Well, I think it's you know. The, it's important to, to recognize that um, it's not that all screen time is terrible for children um, or that, you know, spending a little bit of time watching a, a video or, or, you know, for a four-year-old to be on an iPad for a few minutes, that's, that's not the end of the world. But what is really important to recognize is that the amount of time that children are spending with screens is far too much and it's harmful to their development. And it's harmful for a few reasons. First of all, um, it's displacing other things. There's just only so many hours in the day for a child. And when children, uh, you know, preschool children are spending four or five hours uh, a day on screens, that means there's not enough time to interact with their peers. That means there's not enough time to interact with caring adults. That means there's not enough time to engage in physical play and exercise. That means there's not enough time to uh, engage in creative play. So part of it is just displacement. Um, you know, there's, it's just not good to spend that much time with screens because it takes away time from other things. But the other thing about screens is that they're literally re- rewiring children's brains at a young age. Um, that their, um, you know, exposure to, when kids are, are, young children are spending time with screens, they are getting, uh, you know, dopamine is being released into their brain by, by engaging with screens. And that is creating uh, an addiction problem where kids are wanting to, you know, they, they want that rush of engaging with screens and where then other things seem less exciting, less interesting. Um, kids don't want to do other things when they're spending that, you know, when they become that interested in screens. Um, and, and so, and, and the, you know, one of the things about the media is, is, is that it's designed for children to want more and more. So, for instance, video games are designed to frustrate children at just the right level. So they're not too frustrating so the kid will throw down their their uh, their video game system and say, you know what, I don't want to play this anymore. But they're not too easy so the kid masters it. There's just enough frustration so they want to keep playing. And so when you're engaged with that, with that high level of excitement and, 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 and stimulation constantly, um, it takes away that quiet and that downtime that kids absolutely need to um, to help themselves regulate, but also to explore and become more creativity 
creative and and to to have imagination and to um to to uh, engage in that creative play which is so crucial to childhood one of the one of the things that that, that we uh, that is very difficult with this is uh, that for many parents who are time stressed and uh, are holding down jobs and uh, and in and out that actually <coughs> screens are a, are a cheap uh, babysitter <coughs> uh, and it's very hard to to raise a discussion like the one we've just been having without it coming across as being quite judgmental uh, and parents just feeling very very defensive how how would it be most skillful to raise this uh, this uh, this issue and the, the the damage that is being done with parents in a way that feels engaging rather than judgmental, do you think? Well, I think, first of all, you have to start from the place that every child, you know, every parent wants what's best for their child. Um, and they're not doing this because they're lazy. They're not doing this um, because they don't care if their child is, you know, getting too much time with screen. They're doing it because, um, you know, they think, uh, they're trying to get things done, as as you said, and and um, you know, and and also they're being told that you know media is good for their children, and that you know if they want their child to be ready for first grade, they need to master the iPad and, and things like that. So 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 first of all, we need to start from the from the from the idea that parents want what's best for their children, and and they need help, right? I mean, they're they're saying they need help. We, and they're using the iPad as, as 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 that help in order to make dinner or to do their 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 chores around the house. Um, so what we need to do is help parents find alternatives. And I think one of the things that is is been really damaging is we've set up this dichotomy where there's two choices: either you're on the floor playing with your child, you know, nonstop, or their child your child is on the iPad. And that's just not. You know, that's just not true. I mean, children are incredibly capable of entertaining themselves if we give them the time and space and the opportunity to do so. We need to, you know, we can't be afraid of letting children get bored. We need to encourage parents to um, to not be afraid of their children being bored, to understand that there may be some complaining about boredom at first, but that it, children will work through that and they'll come up with their own solutions. But there's also non-screen alternatives that parents can do. I mean, they can make little arts and crafts kits that um, when they need them in uh, in a pinch, you know, when they need uh, 15 minutes and their child is having trouble coming up with something to do, their child knows that they can go grab the arts and crafts kit or they can, um, you know, or, or books. I mean, it's amazing. Even kids before they can read, you know, they can engross themselves for, for a really long time just looking through books. Um, and so we need to we need to help parents understand that it's not an either or that you have to be, you know, 100 percent engaged with your child or they need to be on a screen. But that actually children are, are, are very good at, at working themselves through boredom and that having a few simple um, a few simple things around the house that that help children, you know, that children know to look for besides the iPad or asking mom or dad for their phone um, when they're bored is, is important. Um, and I also think. Um, that it's just, you know, it's important to tell parents we're not taking something away from children. 
because um, I, I think that's what terrifies parents some, sometimes. They think, oh my God, I'm taking away an iPad from a ch child. You're not taking an iPad away from a child. You're giving a child the gift of some, of some, some freedom from a screen of quiet, of, uh, of a chance to explore with their own imagination, to engage in creative play, to do um, things that are just so essential and are some of the greatest joys of childhood. So it's not, it's really, I, I think that's one of the things that we need to do. We need to shift it away from we're taking screens away from children uh, to we're really giving them the gift of what childhood should be about. And that, so how, how does a childhood where we where our attention spans are reduced our ability to be imaginative is reduced and our exposure to uh to commercials and marketing how does that shape the adults that we become all of this is fairly recent um and so um you know when we see um it, you know, children who are immersed in uh, in, in screens. Um, obviously, kids have been watching TV for a long time, but the amount of screen time has gone up, and 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 particularly exposure to marketing has increased um, tremendously. So, for instance, in 1983, companies spent about a hundred million dollars a year marketing to children. Today, it's about 17 billion dollars in the United States. About 17 billion dollars they spend marketing to children. So a commercialized childhood is a relatively new phenomenon. Um, and what we see, what we see for children who grow up immersed in commercialism um, is that they are um, less, uh, they're, excuse me, they're more materialistic. Um, they are, you know, not surprisingly, children who grow up um, being exposed to lots of marketing are believe that Things are what make them happy. That um, the the uh, acquiring goods um, is is the key to happiness. And in fact, there's a whole body of research that shows that's not true. Um, what's what makes us happy is community. Um, you know, uh, is uh, being in, in in happy relationships. Is uh, being in fulfilling. You know, doing fulfilling things and and uh, acquiring. You know, beyond basic needs actually has very little to do with happiness and 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 that. People who have this materialistic um, orientation have higher rates of depression. Um, they're less happy, um, and, uh, and 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 a number of, of other mental health issues are are um, related to being immersed in, in all of this marketing. So I think you know, um, and I think we're only going to see more and more of that as you know we see uh, you know more and more generations of children who are growing up immersed in all of this commercialism. Mm -hmm. So if you were, if it had been uh, you who had been elected to the highest uh, office uh, in November and you were to embark upon uh, a concerted national crash program of rebuilding imagination across society, where would you start? Um, I would start with two things. Uh, the first thing I would start is um, I would restore play to the classrooms. I would get rid of high-stakes testing, particularly for younger children. I would give teachers the freedom to uh, um, to introduce play back into classrooms. Um, you know, we, I would uh, <laughs> make money available for for teacher training and the understanding uh, of a, a huge public education campaign around the uh, the necessity 
of and how important play is to children and how um, how you know how secondary engagement with technology is for young children, how, how really it's not important how they can catch up and, and, and anything they need to do, know to do on a screen, they can learn later. But I would really focus on promoting play in, in early childhood, in early childhood settings and in elementary schools. Um, the second thing that I would do, not surprisingly, given that my organization is the Campaign for Commercial Free Childhood, is that I would, uh, I would ban marketing to children. Um, you know, I think that there is uh, commercialism is undermining children's creativity. They're being sold and uh, being uh, taught to want the toys that are actually harmful to creativity. They are forming attachments to licensed characters, to media characters, cartoon characters who are... Um, who, who, rather than uh, developing their own characters in their own play, um, and so I think that if um, if we didn't have marketing to children, I think it would create all sorts of space for children's imagination. I think that toy manufacturers would have to market to parents, and they would the things that they would market to parents would be decidedly different than what they gets marketed to kids. Um, and I think that it would just create all of this room and space. For children to be children, and ra rather than being little consumers. And uh, when we we spoke last time, we spoke about the Hello Barbie doll, and uh, you uh, your campaign uh, ran uh, was very outspoken against that toy when it came out, and argued that it shouldn't be released. Did did that have any impact? Did you get any response from a company like Mattel? Do they? Um, you know, do they listen to a, to a campaign like that? I, I, I went on Amazon to see it's never been released here. It's only available in the US. It hasn't gone anywhere else. Uh, yeah, can you just tell us a little bit about that toy and the impact that your campaign had? Sure. So we, um, uh, so Hello Barbie is an internet connected Barbie doll um, where uh, children have quote unquote conversations with the doll. And um, all of the information that the all of the conversations the child is having are recorded and then stored up on the cloud uh, so that the Barbie can, quote unquote, remember things that the child says. So the Barbie can say, you told me last time you had a dog um, and, you know, what 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 do you like about dogs? Or, um, and and uh, so the idea is that the child is actually forming a relationship and having these conversations with Barbie. Um, we did a campaign, the doll was called Hello Barbie, we did a campaign called Hell No Barbie um, to raise awareness of all the ways that this ch toy undermined ch children's creativity uh, and privacy and well-being. So one of the things about it is... Mattel is using this doll to collect all sorts of information about children, uh, which is then shared with third parties. Um, so they, you know, by Barbie asking the child all these questions, they are learning about a child's dislikes and their likes and their interests and, you know, how many family members they have. And this information can be used to create a marketing pro profile about the children. So, so we were just horrified that something, a toy that would be in a child's uh, uh, bedroom would actually be a corporate spy uh, in order to you know build these marketing profiles about children. But the other thing that we were extremely concerned about is that um, this is the last thing that you want in a toy from a creativity standpoint. So 
the the conversations that were happening with the doll was was Barbie asking a lot of questions to elicit information about out of the child, and Barbie completely uh, driving the conversation. And in fact, um, Barbie being Barbie, that it would drive the conversation in all sorts of ways, which were just um, head scratching and really concerning as well. So, for instance, uh, you know, Barbie might be asking a child about its interests and, and uh, you know, or, or about pets. And then the next thing Barbie would say is, well, we've talked a lot about that. Let's talk about something else. How about we talk about fashion? Um, because Barbie <laughs> loves to talk about fashion. Um, and, and, and so, um, you know, the entire conversation was being driven by Barbie and her corporate uh, scripts. And what you want with a doll is you want a doll that doesn't say anything because the child is playing both parts. So the child is talking to the doll, and then if the child wants the doll to speak, the child then plays the role of the doll. And one day that doll could be that child uh, could be a baby, that and the child could be the mother. The next day that child could uh, the doll could be a peer. The next day that child the doll could be a sibling. But that doll could be anything that it wanted to be. The relationship could be anything uh, the child wanted to be. And the, the, the and the conversation. The stories that the child is making up about what it's doing with that doll are completely open-ended and the possibilities are limited, limitless. When, uh, when Barbie, Hello Barbie is playing with a child, it's, com it's completely limited. It's limited by what the corporate scripts have been written for that doll. And it's not child-directed, it's Mattel-directed. And so that's the last thing you want in a, to in a toy. So we did this Hell no, Hell no Barbie campaign. It got a huge amount of uh, press uh, uh, was featured in, in media outlets all over the world, and you know um, what the exact effect of that campaign is. Um, it's always difficult to measure things like this, but we do know that the toy was a huge flop, um, and we think that the fact that it had, you know, uh, in, in in as long as I've been doing this work, an unprecedented amount of bad publicity before it hit the shelves. So we think that that probably had a big, big impact on this. Uh, on those sales, you know, a hot toy, this was considered to be one of the hot toys of, of Christmas last year, and a hot toy will usually sell, a, you know, a few hundred thousand units. Um, Hello Barbie only sold 10,000 units, so that's, um, you know, we, we think we had a big impact, and we think what this shows beyond um, how you can damn it, you know, how you can create bad publicity for one toy that if you educate parents about what is really important in a toy, they will get it. But you need, they parents need that education to counteract the marketing hype, which is so, um, so intense, you know. And, and so parents need to get the real information about what's a good toy, about what children need, um, so that they, you know, so that they aren't wowed by the latest bells and whistles. Because these, you know, I mean, on the surface, I'm thinking, wow. That looks amazing. Barbie's talking to my child. It's understandable that parents would 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 be um, enticed by that. But if you get them the real information and show how that's not what children need, um, you know, last year showed that they'll they'll make the right decisions. Mm. And so, where did at what point did Barbie go bad? I mean, you know, when when mm. Barbie started, she was like a just like a doll, and you put clothes on her. Uh, I had a Action Man. They were called here. GI Joe. They were called with you. I bought him clothes, I threw him in the puddles, I chucked him out of the window, I had little parachutes. Uh, at what point did these things become imagination wreckers rather than imagination uh, in, uh, uh, generators? Well, I think, it's a, I think it's a continuum. 
Um, and so, first of all, I mean, I think it's important to note with Barbie, you know, the the body image that she uh, teaches to children uh, and to girls in particular has always been uh, a concern. Um, so even when she was just one Barbie that you could do anything with, um, it was, uh, you know, the, 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 the body image that she was teaching to children, uh, it was extremely concerning. But um, having said that, you know, one Barbie doll uh, in the beginning was probably not a huge threat to children's creativity, um, you know, because you could do whatever you did with any doll. You could dress her up any way you wanted. You could, you could make her what you wanted to be. Um, what happened with Barbie over time is that uh, in order to sell more and more products to children, Barbie became much more specific. So instead of just having one Barbie, you started having, uh, you know, different Barbies like uh, fashion Barbies and astronaut Barbie. And so rather than any Barbie could be anything, if you wanted your Barbie to be a certain thing, you had to buy that specific Barbie. And then, of course, you also had to buy the accessories rather than, you know, uh, you, you know, if, if you wanted the, the astronaut Barbie, then you had to buy the accessories that went with the astronaut Barbie. And so the Barbie could, wasn't no longer could Barbie be anything just to a child's imagination. Barbie could only be anything if you bought the right Barbies. Um, and so that was started limiting children's creativity. Then, like everything else, you know, like other toys, uh, what Barbie started doing is producing me Barbie media. Um, and so, so then what happens is that not only um, do you have to purchase different Barbies in order to play different, you know, so that Barbie can be different things, but now Barbie is coming with pre-written stories. Um, and so there's Barbie books and Barbie uh, television shows and Barbie web episodes where the stories are now being written by Mattel. So then when children play, they don't make up their own stories with Barbie, but they play the stories that they've already seen. Um, and then, of course, you know, uh, what we saw with Hello Barbie is that then um, Barbie isn't, e children aren't even making up what Barbie says anymore, but Barbie is directing the conversation, um, has pre-written scripts, uh, and, and, uh, and the child is reacting to prompts from Barbie rather than creating a dialogue with their Barbie. So it's a continuum where first, you know, it's about uh, adding more Barbies so children have to buy more Barbies and then there's adding media and then eventually adding this internet connected Barbie. Um, so, so, uh, you know, and it's a, it's a continual, um, and escalating assault on children's imagination. Mm. Wonderful. Was there anything that I asked you before that I haven't remembered to ask you this time? Well, I think, um, you know, um, one thing, uh, well, two things I, I, I think that I, I, I didn't uh, touch upon this time. Yeah. Um, one, you know, when we were talking about, I uh, just wanted to go back when we were talking about parents making dinner and, and, and giving kids screens to occupy their kids. Um, one of the things about that I think that it's really important for parents to, to understand is that if you do that, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if you start giving a child a, a screen every time they're bored, they absolutely will start demanding a screen every time they're bored. They absolutely won't be able to entertain themselves. And so if you teach a child um, that, uh, you know, 
the only way you can make dinner is if they have a screen, that's going to become self-fulfilling. And so um, it's not that that's irre irreversible. There are things that you can do, but the easiest thing, the easiest thing for yours to do as a parent is to not go down that road and to not create that dynamic where, um, where the only way you can make dinner is if your child has a screen. The other thing that I think um, we touched upon last time that maybe we haven't talked about as much this time is the... Um, is is brand licensing and how many toys now are um, create you know children's media is it's not that children's media is created and becomes really popular and then they think oh well maybe we'll make some toys to go along with that children's media is created to sell toys and other licensed products and so you know Children's, you won't get a show made for children unless you can have a whole line of licensed products that go with it and, it and you can sell toys from it. And there have been studies that show that when children play with toys that are based on media characters, um, they play less creatively. Um, and so that one of the things that happens with, with that is what they do is they recreate the stories that the marketers, that the media makers have already made with for them, rather than making up their own stories. And, the, and making up your own stories is just so, so critical to imagination and creativity. And so, you know, when researchers have looked at it, they found that what the children do is they're more likely to just copy the stories that have already been written for them when they play with with uh, with toys that are based on media programs. So so I think it's really important for parents to think about when they're buying toys, uh, those toys that aren't built on 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 media creativity, you know, uh, a, 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 on media programs. Sorry, um, uh, uh, you know, an action figure that is based on, on Star Wars is going to, you know, odds are children are going to play less creatively, creatively with that than with a toy that's not based on a media program. 